many of you are glad uh, they call this hump day, don't they? Kind of getting over the middle, heading downhill to the weekend. I know we have a busy weekend ahead of us, but it's going to be a good weekend. Uh, this Sunday evening, I've asked uh, Missionary Ben Sinclair, missionary that we support, uh, to Cameroon. He's back in the States uh, getting his children settled into Bible college as well. They'll be staying in the mission house. Uh, he and a couple of his children will be staying in the mission house beginning on Friday. And uh, he'll be here for about a week. And I've asked him to give us a report on the work in Cameroon, what God's been doing. Remember, they had to make a transition. They were in the Anglo, the English-speaking part of the country. And uh, because of turmoil, had to leave. And now they went to Quebec and learned the French language and now are in the French-speaking part of the country. And God is doing a work with them there. And so he'll be giving us an update and then preaching this coming Sunday evening. And I know that he will be a blessing to us as well. I want you to notice two verses in Proverbs chapter 12. I'm reading a book this week entitled Made for Friendship. And let me just say this, if a person's understanding or concept of friendship is how many followers they have on their Facebook account, they do not understand friendship, okay? Especially as the Bible describes it, uh, one of the most precious gifts that the Creator has given to us is the ability to have friends, to interact with people uh, who know us beyond a surface level, I was uh, thinking about this. The author used this terminology in the book that I'm reading. He said, most people do not have friendship. They have acquaintanceship instead of friendship. They have a lot of acquaintances, but we need good, godly friendship. One of the greatest ministries we can provide as a friend and have ministered to us by our friends is the ministry of encouragement through the spoken word. And I want you to think about that specific thought with me this evening, being an encourager with your words. Uh, the title of the message is An Encouraging Word. Notice, if you would, verse number 18, chapter 12. There is, and notice Solomon states this as a fact. It's not there might be, there could be. There is that speaketh like the piercings of a sword. But the tongue of the wise is health. The tongue of the one who is skilled in understanding how to apply the word of God. The tongue of the wise is health. It's the idea of that which is healthy, that which contributes to health. And it also carries with it the word health does of that which is soothing or calming. How many of you, are, have you ever, you can think in your mind to a conversation you've had when, when you left the conversation. You, first of all, you couldn't get wait to get out of the conversation because it was so agitating just got you stirred up, maybe not irritating, but just on edge, and you couldn't wait to get out of it. And in contrast, you can think of a person that is a friend that when you have a conversation with them, they have the ability to just soothe you, to just calm you. It relaxes you, it strengthens you to be in a conversation like that. The tongue of the wise, a skilled person, when it comes to the application of truth, is health or healthy, it's soothing, it's calming. Notice, if you would, verse number 25, heaviness. In the heart of man maketh it stoop, but a good word maketh it glad. Let's ask the Lord's help tonight. Father, as we look into these two verses and several other passages in Proverbs, I pray that our hearts would be strengthened. I pray that we'd be challenged as friends to be a better friend to those that are our friends 
and that we would understand that one of the greatest ministries that we can have is to be an encourager. And so I ask, Lord, for the conviction of the Spirit of God in our lives tonight, the encouragement of the Spirit of God. We thank you for the encouragement of your word in our lives. And I thank you that a good word makes a heavy heart glad and strengthens. And I pray that we would desire tonight, uh, as a result of this message, to be a minister, a messenger of a word of encouragement to a heavy heart. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Uh, I'm very limited in my interaction on social media, but several years or several months ago, pardon me, a, a friend of mine sent me a screenshot of a particularly and rarely encouraging social media post. <laughs> Did y'all get that? Rarely encouraging? Um, anyway, the, the man who had made the original post gave a recipe for revival in a local church. I want you to think about this. He said, a potential recipe for revival in a local church is that every member determines before every service on their way to church that they're going to speak three words of encouragement to different members or attenders, three words of encouragement, and along with that, make the confession of a fault to a trusted brother. The Bible does say confess your faults one to another. Helps keep us humble, that transparency, that accountability. But in particular, intentionally making it a point to three different people to say something encouraging. Okay. I think that's a wonderful recipe for revival, don't you? If we came, I mean, how many of you would like to come to church and get three words of encouragement? Three different people, then, Okay. And, and by the way, I'm saying that in the context of understanding that Crossroads is a very friendly church, a good church, and I'm grateful for that. I'm encouraged on a regular basis, even if somebody comes up to me and says, Pastor, I just thank God you don't preach any longer than you do. <laughs> the tongue of the wise is health. The tongue of the wise. I wrote this in the margin of my Bible, never, as it relates to the tongue, Never has such a small, physical, temporal member of the human body had such opportunity for profound, spiritual, eternal impact. Never has such a small, physical, temporal member of the human body had such opportunity for profound, spiritual, eternal impact. Solomon said, as many of you know, in Proverbs chapter 18 and verse number 21, that death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it, love the power of the tongue, shall eat the fruit thereof. It's one of those things. You know, there's some things in life you can't pick your fruit. You can't pick your consequences. But when it comes to your tongue and the power of your tongue, you can pick the consequences. You can pick the fruit. You be a minister of a good word, and God has promised that the fruit of that will come back to you. Okay. I heard about a man who moved into a new town. And he had a friend who already lived there, and he asked his friend to take him to the restaurant in town that served the best meat that he could imagine. So his friend said, all right, meet me at the house, and we'll go. They got in the car together and went to this restaurant. They pulled in, and the man who was moving into town was shocked as they walked into the real, uh, restaurant and looked at the menu and realized that everything, here's this restaurant that serves the best meat in town. They walk in, everything in that restaurant was made from tongue. Boiled tongue, fried tongue, roasted tongue, microwave tongue. 
The man didn't like tongue, so he barely got through that meal. So a week later, he called this same friend back, and he decided to use some reverse psychology. And he said to his friend, he said, now I want you to take me to the restaurant in town that has the worst meat. Lo and behold, they pulled into the exact same restaurant. And his friend explained to him, you know, the tongue has the potential to be the best. To minister the most good, to be the most encouraging, but it also is the potential to be the worst. To cause the worst damage, the greatest hurt, the greatest harm. And yet, that little member that James talks about has profound ability as a physical member to impact others spiritually and eternally through the word of encouragement. Verse 25, heaviness in the heart of man maketh it stoop. Heaviness is a broad word that Solomon uses here. It is the idea of of uh, anxiety, worry, fretting, fear, carrying a burden, okay? Uh, I read of a man who was rushing through the airport fretting because he was missing his flight. He thought he was going to miss his flight, and he got caught in a press of people that he felt like was going to keep him from getting to his gate, and as he was trying to squeeze through, a pilot standing next to him and said, what's the hurry? What's the hurry? He said, I'm about to miss my flight. It's flight 285 down at the end of the terminal. And the pilot said to him, I'm the pilot of flight 285. It's not going anywhere without me. Relax. <laughs> it's a good day for us when we realize that God is the sovereign pilot. Okay. We can relax. And let me say this as it relates to a word of encouragement. God many times will use you as a minister in the life of the other person to remind them of the fact that he is the pilot, okay, that he does care, that he is good. And that's part of this word that makes glad. Heaviness in the heart of man maketh it stoop. It's interesting. Heaviness where? Where is that heaviness located? What does the scripture say? Heaviness where? In the heart. Unseen. In other words, you and I, the one who's to be the minister of a good word of encouragement, we can't see the heaviness. It's unseen. In many folks' lives, that heaviness may be unspoken and to us unknown, unless it is a careful and caring eye. This is why you should just make it a habit to speak a good word of encouragement all the time. Because you have no idea what is going on in a person's heart. Grace and I were making a visit yesterday. And I was telling her several ways the Lord was working in my heart, growing me, seeking to grow me. And I shared with her how sometimes I'll have a thought of doing something kind for someone. And then I'll get busy and I'll forget about it. And the opportunity will pass. And, you know, I told her, I said, you know, I've just determined that as best I can, if I have a kind thought, even if it's just something simple, if I have a thought come to mind that, you know, this is something kind I could do for someone, I may not even have any idea what's going on in that person's heart, but do something kind, even as small as it may seem. I said, I want with God's help that if I have the thought to do it, okay, to 
just do it. And it's the same way with a word of encouragement. Never has something that could have such profound effect really been so easy to give. It's only a little muscle in our mouth. We have a whole book of resource and strength and truth and encouraging fact to draw from and certainty to draw from. By the way, and I'll mention this at the conclusion of the message tonight, we do need to be timely in our word of encouragement. We understand that. But heaviness in the heart of man maketh it stoop. It's the idea of presses it down hard. I thought about a digression that many people will experience, and some of us, many of us have experienced this. You know, it begins with a disappointment. What is a disappointment? It's an expectation for something that goes unfulfilled or unrealized. How many of you like to be disappointed? Okay. And a disappointment can be a single event where I was expecting something, hoping for something, and it didn't materialize. Many times disappointment, though, if another one piles upon another one, that may give way to discouragement. Discouragement is more periodic and could even go on for a period of time when the strength or the courage, the certainty to to move forward and joy and confidence is uh, taken away, so to speak, by circumstances or by worry or by anxiety. So disappointment may lead to discouragement. Discouragement, if unchecked, can lead to depression. Literally being pressed down at a low point, and that's what Solomon is talking about, heaviness, In the heart of man maketh it, what? Stoop, presses it down. When you think about a depression in the earth, you think about a low spot in the earth. You think about this emotion, this time of darkness, difficulty. And by the way, in case you're wondering, Christians do experience this. Christians do experience it. We could catalog the names of great servants of God that many of us are very familiar with their names who've gone through times of depression. I think about C.H. Spurgeon and I think about others. And the basic idea is this, is if it's a person who lives passionately, then they are prone to even those low ebbs of passion as well. May it never be so, but in many cases or some cases, depression, if it's prolonged and goes without uh, being treated or dealt with or helped, it can lead to despair, which is hopelessness. Okay? Aren't you glad, though, the child of God does not have to despair? Okay? We have this blessed hope, this certain hope that is ours. But it does not mean that we or others that we know and love do not go through times of disappointment, discouragement, even depression. I want you to notice it's a reality. Heaviness in the heart of man maketh it stoop. But God has given a wonderful remedy. A good word maketh it glad. A good word. I notice this first of all. He doesn't say but good words. Let's not just blow past something that's very obvious here. A single word, a single sentence can have a profound impact on a person's life. I'm 47 years old. I've been in church my whole life. I was born on a Sunday. 
But do you know I can look back on my life and I can remember all the way back to boyhood adults who spoke a word of encouragement to me. Who were kind to me, patted me on the head, ruffled my hair. At that time, I didn't care. If you did that to me now, it might bother me a little bit. Okay. I can remember adults and their kindness. Small though it was to them, it was huge to me. Huge. And here I am, four decades later, remembering it. By the same token, or should I say on the other hand, How many of you can remember, even clear back to childhood, a harsh or discouraging word that someone said to you? Or maybe a discouraging word that someone said to you a few months ago, a few years ago. Isn't it amazing how that sticks in your brain, just part of our fallen humanity? And then the devil wants to blow it out with a megaphone and keep reminding you of it. It's going on in your heart. But the thing that will help that is when someone will speak a good word of encouragement. And it's so easy to give, so simple to give a good word. The word good that Solomon uses here as he's speaking about this single good word that will make a heavy heart, a stooping heart glad. It's a very broad word. Listen to some of the synonyms of this word good that are used or their ideas in other places in Scripture. We could say it or understand it this way. It is a good word in the sense that it's an agreeable word. It's a pleasant word that makes glad. It's a cheerful word. It's an appropriate word. It's an understanding word. It's a glad word. It's a rich word. It's a favorable word, a healthy word, a kind word, a gracious word, a joyful word, a precious or a valuable word. A good word maketh it glad. Now, as we think about the importance of this word that we speak, a word of encouragement to a heart that is heavy, I got five T's here. You may want to write them down, okay? Five T's, or you can go back and listen to the recording. These are words that I use to try to describe or be parameters in the words of encouragement that I give. And let me just say, I fail. I fail. In the last several months, I had a conversation trying to be a comfort to somebody. And after I walked away, I wanted to just go, you ever done that before? I'd have been better off to have just kept my mouth shut. Well-intentioned. You've heard me say this before. Job's friends were the best friends they were and the best help they were the first seven days they showed up and then they opened their mouths. And so, and we'll see a passage of scripture that speaks to this here in just a moment. But five T's. First of all, let your good word be timely. It'll be timely. A word spoken in due season. We'll see this verse in just a moment. Number two, let it be true. Let it be true. Don't make up something that isn't true in an intention to comfort someone. Okay. I think about in the, you know, in the sense of someone who's lost a loved one and it was not sure if that person's saved. Don't say that person's better off. Because in the end, that is not true comfort. Okay. Make sure what you say is true, but speak it in love. And then tender. I think of a, a dear lady who experienced a difficult tragedy years ago and a pastor about three months after she experienced the tragedy came to her and told her, he said, you're just going to have to get over this. 
There are some things in every sense of the word you don't just get over. Okay. And so there needs to be a tenderness. And then I use, I think of the, the word touched in the sense of empathetic with. So timely, true, tender, touched. In other words, not just expressing a platitude. It's easy to just rattle off with Bible knowledge, to just rattle off a platitude. Okay? God is good. He works all things. And that's true. Okay? But there are times we just speak those things. And the best thing that we can do is show that we're touched. We are to weep with those that weep and to rejoice with those that rejoice. And then ultimately, I would say this. Let our words not only be timely, true, tender, and touched, but also may they turn the eyes of the person we're seeking to encourage to Christ because there is no comfort like the comfort Jesus gives. Turn eyes to Christ. Let me just give us three thoughts here to kind of sum this all up practically speaking. I want us to be messengers of the good word to make the hearts of those that are heavy and stooping down to make their hearts glad through our good word. There's such a great need for encouraging words. First of all, I want you to understand as we think about the need for encouraging words that this is what God says is needed. God says a good word, an encouraging word is needed. And he has, if I can say it this way, commissioned us, called us to be the messenger, the instrument through which encouraging words, a good word is spoken to those who are heavy hearted. I mentioned in verse number 18, there is that speaketh like the piercings of the sword. Listen, there is much to pierce people in these days, are there not? I think about news media, I think about some of you men, you go to workplaces and all you hear is the filth and the dregs of wickedness come out of people's mouths all week long. I think about children that you may have come from homes that don't regularly attend church and things that they hear in the home all week long and they come to church. I think about some of you have unsaved family members who are antagonistic to your faith and what you hear in conversation with them. We hear it out in the workplace. We hear it in the shopping malls. We hear it all out wherever we go. We hear in the news media. It's on television. Just turn it off. It's on all these different fields and fronts, all of these piercings of the sword that just come piling in, thrusting in at all of us. And so may God's people determine that God says this is what is needed. There are heavy hearts all around us. And let us be a people who determine that God's the one who said that a good word, an encouraging word is what people need and I want to be one to give it. And I want to be known for giving an encouraging word. The book that I've been reading on friendship made the point that it is an important aspect of a friend's ministry to another to confront them about sin or error in their life. But then he made this point. He said, let the wound of a friend be cushioned upon the pillows of 20 preceding words of encouragement. Let the wound of a friend be cushioned upon the pillows of 20 preceding words of encouragement. Think about that. 
in a sense, we earn the right to say the hard thing because all along we've been saying a good word. It's what God says is needed. There are heavy hearts all about us. There are the piercings of the sword. There is. It's not there could be, there may be, there is. But I want you to notice secondly, the need for an encouraging word is what God says is needed, but it's also what God says works. Here is this life that's being pierced uh, with the sword-like words of society and family and the workplace and all around us, but it's the tongue of the wise that is healthy, that is soothing, that is comforting. And it's a good word that makes that heavy heart that is stooping down, it's a good word that makes it glad. It's an encouraging word that causes gladness to come to a heart that had previously been heavy. As I think about the tongue, the book of Proverbs is full of many passages that speak negatively and positively about the power of the tongue. But God says the tongue works to uh, make a stooping, heavy heart glad and to heal where there have been the piercings of a sword. It heals. Look at Proverbs chapter 15 and verse number 4. A wholesome tongue. That's the idea of a healing tongue. Is a tree of life. When you hear the term tree of life, where does your mind go? Mine goes to the Garden of Eden. The tree of life, where if a man eats of it, he's going to live forever. A wholesome tongue is a continual source of providing life and healing and nourishment to those that it ministers to. But perverseness therein, in the tongue, is a breach of spirit. So the tongue heals. It's the tongue, as we see in our text passage, that makes glad. It's interesting here. It doesn't simply mean that it's the good word that leads to joy. But the good word is actually a cause for joy. Just the very fact that someone goes out of their way to speak a word of encouragement, as simple as it may seem... That is part of the cause of the joy or the gladness that is produced in the heavy heart. I think about this fact too. God says this good word makes glad. The tongue is an instrument of healing because it helps to solve problems and dilemmas. Notice chapter 15 and verse number 23. A man hath joy by the what? The answer of his mouth. A word spoken in due season or at the right time, how good is it? How many of you have ever um, been in a conversation, you were in the middle of a dilemma, and in the course of that conversation, the person speaking to you said something that was the key, and it just brought everything together? And it was that encouraging word, a good word from a friend, that kind of cut through all the clutter and the fog and brought a solution. Look at chapter 25 and verse number 11. Chapter 25 and verse number 11. Another ministry of the tongue. Chapter 25 and verse number 11. A word fitly spoken. The literal idea, as I understand it in the Hebrew, the original language, is a word uh, that's on wheels. In other words, a word that gets where it's going. It accomplishes its intended purpose. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in pictures of silver. 
You ever seen a picture with a frame that didn't match it? Okay. The idea here is this, is a word fitly spoken. A word that accomplishes its purpose is like a beautiful picture that has a beautiful frame that perfectly complements it. It goes together. And it causes great delight. Have you ever seen a picture where the frame didn't match and you're just like, I can tell that person flunked their interior decorating class. Okay. <laughs> now, some people don't care. They just find a frame, yep, fits, 8 by 10, whatever it fits, it goes. Okay. But it doesn't match. But a word fitly spoken, it accomplishes its pur- purpose And here are these apples of gold in pictures of silver. And then another wonderful thing about words, the power of words. Not only do they cause delight, they fit, but then notice chapter 25 and verse number 25. As cold waters to a thirsty soul, so is good news from a far country. A good word, good news, refreshes like cold waters to a thirsty soul. And so there's the need for encouraging words. This is what God says is needed. And then when it comes to the good word and the the profitable power of our tongue in giving a word of encouragement, this is what God says works. He says it works. So let's by faith, let's by faith implement what he says works and determine to be a messenger of a good word, encouraging word. As our mothers used to tell us, if you can't say something kind, don't say anything. Okay. But I want you to notice thirdly, as we think about the need for encouraging words, and I'm bringing this to a conclusion. This is what God says is needed. It's what God says works. But I want you to notice from an, a powerful Old Testament passage of Scripture, that speaking a good word or words of encouragement to those who have a heavy heart, that this is how Jesus talked. This is what Jesus did. Would you keep your hand here in Proverbs 13 and go to Isaiah chapter 50? This is the third of four what we call servant songs in the book of Isaiah. They are prophetic of the Lord Jesus Christ as the servant of Jehovah. I want you to notice chapter 50 and verse number 5. Chapter 50 and verse number 5. Let's make verse number 6. I gave my back to the smiters. Who does that sound like this is referring to? Jesus. And my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. Who does that sound like this is referring to? 700 years before Jesus came to earth. Specific prophecies about his suffering Jesus said as the servant of Jehovah, verse number six, the last statement, I hid not my face from shame and spitting. For the Lord God will help me, therefore shall I not be confounded. It's the idea of shamed. Therefore have I set my face like a flint. We read of Christ that he set his face like a flint to go to Jerusalem. So this passage, 700 years before Jesus came, is all about Jesus. Okay, now I want you to notice, back up to verse number 4. Isaiah chapter 50 and verse number 4. The Lord God hath given me, the servant of Jehovah is speaking here, he's given me the tongue of the learned, the wise, 
that I should know how to speak a word in season to him that is weary. Can you hear the Lord Jesus say in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Can you hear the scripture recording and reporting of the Lord Jesus Christ that people marveled at the gracious words that he spoke? You and I should determine to be a messenger of good words, encouraging words, to those who are heavy in heart, their heart stoops, they've been pierced by the swords of the vile and wicked words of this world, we should be a minister of encouraging word to make their heart glad because that's how Jesus talked and what Jesus did. How many of you like to be encouraged when you're discouraged? Okay. Remember, death and life are in the power of the tongue. They that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. If you determine to encourage, God promises he's going to bring that same kind of encouragement back around to you. We can testify to the power of encouraging words in our own lives. So let us unleash that power in the lives of others. A father was taking his little four or five-year-old daughter out on a date. And he was wanting to begin teaching her what it meant to be treated like a lady. So mama stayed home and daddy and the little girl went out to eat and they were sitting there waiting on their food to come. And the daddy decided he was going to encourage his little girl with his words. And he began to say, sweetheart, I just, daddy just wants you to know how grateful he is for what a good daughter you are. How you obey and how you clean your room when you're asked to do it. And you help mommy with the dishes. And that when you do get in an argument with your Brother, that you go back and make it right. Honey, I'm just very, very grateful for that. He just stopped and let it soak in. And then she looked at him and she said, More, Daddy, more. <laughs> there are heavy hearts in this room. There are heavy hearts in your family. There are heavy hearts in your workplace. It may be a heavy heart on the other side of a grocery store cashier line. Judson and I were buying him a pair of cowboy boots. This thought just passed my mind, buying him a pair of cowboy boots up at GB Shoes in uh, this side of Hendersonville. And uh, there was a young lady working the cash register. It was her very first day, and she made about 47 mistakes just in our transaction. And... Behind us, there was a string of about three or four more people, and I'll never forget this. The man behind us, he said, must be her first day. And she just melted into tears right there. Stating the obvious didn't help anything. Okay. And so we, as much as we could, I wasn't going to, try and wipe her eyes and the guy helping her he was clueless what to do but we tried to speak some words of encouragement hey this is fine don't you worry about it take the time you need it's going to be okay but there are heavy hearts all around us that are saying more daddy more I had another illustration I was going to use but I'm going to stop right there hope we got the message I know it's been a challenge to me. A good word makes that heavy heart glad.
let's determine I'm going to be a messenger of encouragement. Father, thank you. As we conclude tonight and go to a brief time of prayer, I pray, Father, that you would use these thoughts to sustain us, to challenge us through the remainder of this week. And God, that we would determine to be a people of encouragement in the lives of those that we impact. We pray these things in Christ's name and for his glory.